Our sermon text for this morning comes from Psalm 16. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 16. If uh, if you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles on the tables when you just walked in the, the doors in the back. You should feel free to grab one of those Bibles. And if you don't own a Bible, you should feel free not only to grab one for the service, but to, to write your name in the front, keep it, take it home with you, and bring it back week after week as we study God's Word together. Before we read Psalm 16, let's pray together. Our Father, we, we rejoice in what you have done for Jesus, our risen King. We re- rejoice that you have raised Him from the dead. And we rejoice that uh, because we belong to him by faith, we know that we too will rise from the dead at his return. And we pray, Father, that you would give us that hope, that you would work that hope deeply into our hearts and our minds, that we would live in light of it, that we would be changed people in light of our hope of the resurrection. Be with us now as we look at Psalm 16. We pray that you would teach us from this psalm that you would guide us, and that you would draw us closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 16. A victim of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, this morning we are going to talk about the resurrection. And we're going to talk about unshakable joy. David says in verse 8 of this psalm that he will not be shaken. And he says in the end of the psalm, verse 11, he says that God's presence, in God's presence there is fullness of joy and at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. David teaches us then in this psalm about a joy that is unshakable. But David doesn't begin there. David begins with trouble. The psalmists uh, were familiar with trouble. Uh, David, who wrote this psalm, wrote it knowing full well that life is filled with difficulties. Look at verse 1. David says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Preserve me from what? Preserve me from trouble. Preserve me from life's difficulties. Preserve me from its challenges and its dangers. A refuge from what? A refuge from trouble. A refuge from life. It's dangers, it's difficulties, it's trials, it's struggles. David cries out to God, keep me safe, O God. I'm running to you for help. I'm looking for you to protect me. David knew that his life was not secure. Life is shakable. Things are liable to fall apart. David knew that life was full of pain and suffering and heartache 
And then when it's all over, we face death. Now, I don't know your trouble, and you don't know mine. But I know, and, and, and I don't know uh, the suffering that you face. I don't know the difficulties or the heartaches that you endure day by day. But we do know that when we're honest with ourselves and with those around us, that all of our lives on some level have been full of difficulties, full of trials and troubles. In fact, Job says, man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. We have faced troubles within and without. Uh, We face generic troubles of sickness and disease and loss, relational troubles of abandonment or divorce. Some of our troubles that we faced have not been our fault. Some of the troubles we faced, we brought on our own heads. Some of us have faced heartbreaking troubles in the past. And some of us are going through the valley of the shadow of death right now. David knew trouble. Now, I don't want to camp out here this morning. Uh, We know the trouble in our lives. You know the trouble in your life. I want us to take a step forward and I want us to think about joy. The joy that David speaks of in the end of this song. And our outline, you can see it in your bulletin on the back. This morning, we're going to ask five questions about this unshakable joy. Five questions about unshakable joy. First, why don't we have it? Second, where does it come from? Third, what is it in? Fourth, how do we get it? And fifth, why is it unshakable? Five questions about David's unshakable joy. Why don't we have it? Where does it come from? What is it in? How do we get it? And why is it unshakable? First, why don't we have it? Uh, the, the The short answer is we look to the wrong things for joy. David begins in verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. But the truth is that not everyone takes refuge in the Lord. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, in the beginning, David says, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. See, in David's day, there were many, many so-called gods. There were gods of love and gods of war, gods of strength and gods of victory. Gods of of fertility and gods of wealth and gods of productivity. And worshiping the right gods was considered the key to success in David's day, the key to security and the key to happiness. And so people ran after, David says, people ran after these other gods. While most of us today don't believe in that pantheon of gods, but we still run after the same things. We run to love and we run to strength, we run to accomplishment and children and money and productivity. And the question for each of us to ask ourselves is when trouble comes my way, when my life gets shaken up, who do I run to for help? Who or what do I look to to keep me safe in trouble or to make me happy in difficulty? When trouble comes your way, where do you turn to make yourself happy, to find joy? And there are two main answers that we, that we can give. Uh, one is we look to ourselves and our own resources. And two is we look to the world and what the world has to offer. So we look to ourselves, right? When trouble happens, very often we kind of go into high gear and we start trying to make things right. We start trying to fix things. We start trying to secure our own happiness, our own interests. 
nobody else is looking out for me, we think. So, you know, I've got to look out for myself. I've got to make things happen. I've got to manipulate my world so that it works the way I want it to. And so our security and our joy are often found in our own scheming, in our own manipulation, our own uh, lying or stealing, our own overworking or underworking, our own hoarding my time, my money, my stuff, or bribing those around me to like me or to do for me or to care for me or to help me or be for me. We work hard to make our lives safe and make ourselves happy. Or we look to the world. We look to money and to people and to sex and to strength and to learning, even to religion. And if we can get those things, right, we, we, we scramble for them. We say, gimme, gimme, right? And we try to indulge in whatever we can get. If we don't have those things, we, we, we say, if only, right? If only I had this, or if only I had that, or if only my life would go this way. And we grumble. Or if we have those things, but they're taken away, we get angry and we rage against the world that what we loved, what we thought would bring us joy has been snatched out of our hands. And you see all of those things, right? Uh, the overindulgence, the grumbling, the anger, they're all signs that we're looking to the world. We're looking to false gods for joy. Paul would say in the book of Romans that we're worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator. We are treating created things as if they could somehow bring us security and happiness. But they can't. It's all a lie. In fact, it's one of the greatest lies of Satan. It's the lie that this world has what you need. That this world and its resources have what we need. It's a lie that we very often believe. But look again at what David says in verse 4. He says, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. You see, if I'm trying to manipulate life to make myself feel safe and happy, it will ultimately come crashing down on my head. If I'm looking to the created world for a place of stability, I will be shaken. If I'm looking to created things as the source of my joy, I will ultimately be disappointed. See, neither money nor sex nor relationships nor, nor security or, or nor relationships can secure unshakable joy. All of these things can be lost. All of these things can disappoint. Whatever we gain, we can lose again. Whatever safety nets you build can themselves fall to the ground. David prays to God. He says, keep me safe, oh my God. I look to you to protect me. But the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. So why don't we have unshakable joy? Because we're, we're looking to the wrong things for joy. Okay, well then where does it come from? The short answer is that unshakable joy comes from God. He is the one who keeps us safe in times of trouble. Again, David begins his prayer. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Keep me safe. I'm running to you for help. Then in verse 8, again, David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Now, anybody who says all by itself, anybody who says I will not be shaken is really incredibly proud and deluded. Because we know that there's nobody who stands so tall that he can't be knocked down. Many of us have had an experience in life where we were on top of the world, where everything looked good, but it didn't last. 
Whether we fell crashing to the ground in a moment or whether we just gradually slid into a slump, we looked around one day and realized that we were no longer flying high. We were no longer on top of the world. Life wasn't as good as we thought it was meant to be. But David doesn't simply say, I shall not be moved. David says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. David looks around at the world and he knows that it's shakable. Right? He, he knows the world is liable to fall apart. And so he sets his eyes on God and he says, because he is at my right hand. He is at my place of help, my place of support. Because the Lord is with me, I will not be shaken. Well, how far does that go, we might ask David. I mean, how much can you really trust the Lord? David says in verse 10, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, that is to the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. David says, I trust God with my life. I trust God that he will save me even from death. I trust him to the end. I trust him with everything. David's security in times of trouble was in God, his Father. Why don't we have unshakable joy? Because we're looking to the wrong things. Where, where does it come from? It comes from God. He is the only one who can keep us safe and secure in times of trouble. Okay, what is that unshakable joy in? What is it in? The short answer, again, is that unshakable joy is in God, his smile and his gifts. He is the one who brings us joy. We, we know where most of us look for happiness most of the time. We look around us. We look to created things. We look to things that that we can secure for ourselves. But David says in verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. David is saying, if, if I don't have God, I have no good. Uh, you may know that the C.S. Lewis quote, uh, C.S. Lewis once said, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Right? He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Right? I have no good apart from you, David is saying. No good. You are my good. doesn't matter what else I have or don't have. David goes on in verse 5. And again, he said, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The Lord is my portion and my cup. A, a portion there actually probably refers to a portion of food. Right, to the part of the sacrificial animal that was given to the priests. The Lord is David's portion. And cup reminds us of the scriptural language of the cup of God's blessing. So David is saying, God, you are my food and my drink. You are the good things in my life. You are what sustain, sustains me and brings me joy. It's as David said in another psalm, in Psalm 4, David said, God, you put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. David is saying there, God, having you brings me more delight than the world has when they are full. Uh, whatever people chase after to find happiness, God, you put more joy in my heart than they have when they get promoted or when they win the lottery or when they marry the movie star, right? I have more joy, Father, from you than they have when their grain and their wine abound. David next says that his lot in life is in God's hands. And of course, that's true of each one of us. Our lot in life is in God's hands. And therefore, David says, the lines have fallen for me, verse 6, in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. 
David's saying, my life is good. My life is beautiful because it is in God's hands. And some people think what that means is God had given David good things in life. And others think that it means David's life was good because he had God. Of course, to be honest, it's probably a little bit of both. We I mean, look down at verse 11. David says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, what is the source of joy in verse 11? What's the source of good? Well, first, it, it's your presence, right? Literally, your face, David is saying. Your face, O oh my Father, is my joy. It's God's smile upon us that makes our heart sing. In fact, we will never know a joy in life greater than knowing God's delight in us. That's what we were made for, to know our Father's love. David says his joy is in God's face, God's presence, and at God's, in God's right hand. The blessings that come from God's hand are pleasures forevermore. And so our joy is in God and who God is and in what God gives as our gracious Father. So why don't we have unshakable joy? Well, we're looking to the wrong things. Okay, well, where does it come from? It comes from God. What is it in? It is actually in God. In God, in His smile, and in His gifts. Okay, well then, how do we get it? How do we get this joy that David talks about? The short answer is we receive unshakable joy as we commit ourselves to God, the source of joy. So uh, when trouble comes, where does David turn right away? The first thing David remembers is who his God is. So look, look at verse 2. David says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. David says, I say to the Lord, I say to Yahweh, Yahweh, you are my Lord. You are my master. You are my boss. You're in charge of my life. It goes on in verses 3 and 4 to say, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. David is saying to God, look, God, I've committed to you. You are my Lord. I've committed to your people, the saints in the land. I will not look to false gods. I will not look to false securities, to, to the things that this world offers to bring us safety and joy. I won't look there, God. Verse 5, again, he says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. In verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me. David's life is unshakable in the midst of trouble and joyful in the midst of pain because David is committed to the Lord as the source of his joy. God is the source of his comfort in the midst of trouble. That's why David clings to him with everything that he has. When troubles happen, the question for us is, do you cling to God? Do you look to God for safety when life gets crazy? Do you look to God for joy and happiness, even when circumstances bring pain and trouble? Do you say, you are my joy, you are my security, you are my good, apart from you, I have no good thing? See, why don't we have this unshakable joy? We keep looking to the wrong things. Where does it come from? It comes from God, right? He is the one who keeps us safe in times of trouble. What is it in? It's, it's in God. It's in his smile. It's in his gifts as our father. How do we get this unshakable joy? It comes from clinging to him as the source of joy. But then the question remains, why is this joy unshakable? Why this joy? The short answer is that through the resurrection, Jesus has secured for us a joy that transcends the grave. You see, there's at least one glitch in everything that I've been talking about, and that glitch is a pretty significant glitch. 
that glitches that David is dead. David prayed, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones see corruption. And then David died and was buried and his body turned into dust in the grave. How unshakable was David's life? See, if your joy is tied to this life, it's liable to be shaken. If your joy is tied to this life, it's only as solid as this life is, which means it's pretty precarious. It's liable to slip away at any moment. David died and was buried. And if his joy is tied to this life, his joy died with him. Well, both Peter and Paul in the early church quoted verse 10 of our psalm. And they said that David actually was a prophet. And verse 10 referred to Jesus. And yet at first glance, as you think about the life of Jesus, especially in the past week, as you think about Holy Week, as you think about uh, the events of Jesus' life leading up to Sunday, as you think about Good Friday, at first glance you might think that that Jesus' life too is not very unshakable. Even starting from the beginning, Jesus was born in poverty. He was homeless in his adult years. He never married. His family thought he had gone crazy. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was abandoned by the rest. He was falsely accused, tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. Does that sound like the life of one who has unshakable joy? Eventually, Jesus was crucified. He died and was buried. But there's something far worse than all of that. Jesus, who was the eternal Son of God in human skin, Jesus, who knew fellowship with the Father from eternity, Jesus, who always walked with the Father in in his earthly life, Jesus was forsaken by the Father. The Father turned his face away from his Son. Jesus was rejected by the Father on the cross. He received the cup of the Father's wrath rather than the cup of the Father's blessing. And he did that for us. We deserve God's condemnation because of our sin, but Jesus received it at the cross. But at the end of his life, Jesus continued to cling to the Father. You remember, before he died, one of the last things Jesus said was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus breathed his last, and he died, and he was buried. Is that the fullness of joy promised to those who cling to the Father? Is that the pleasures at God's right hand forevermore? Well, of course, you know, that's not the end of the story. That's why we're here this morning. That on the third day, the father raised his son from the dead. God did not abandon Jesus' soul to Sheol or let his Holy One see corruption. No, God raised him from the dead. He brought him out of the grave and he brought him up into heaven where Jesus sat down at the right hand of the father. Jesus sat down in the Father's presence to receive fullness of joy. He sat down at the Father's right hand to receive pleasures forevermore. And this is where or why the joy that the Father offers to us can be unshakable. Through Jesus' death for sin and bodily resurrection from the dead, Jesus secures for us a joy that transcends the grave. Jesus became sin for us that we who believe might be forgiven. Jesus received the Father's frown of judgment in the cross that we might receive the Father's smile of grace. Jesus went to the cross and into the grave and came out again that we might have the hope of a bodily resurrection at the return of Jesus. 
That means that whatever happens in this life, if we look to Jesus by faith, we know the Father smiles on us. We can look forward to the fullness of joy in the Father's face and the pleasures at his right hand forevermore in our resurrection when we get out of the grave one day at Jesus' return. You know, it makes sense that we so often look to relationships to bring us joy. We were actually made for a relationship to bring us joy. It's just not the relationships with the people around us, but our relationship to our Heavenly Father. See, though life throws us its worst, uh, through Jesus we have a relationship with the Father that cannot be broken. The Father delights in us as His children. We have the hope of dwelling before the Father's face, living forever under the gaze of His smile. And yet, as we think about uh, Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, as we consider verse 11, there's something else we need to think about. Verse 11 says, again, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What was the path of life for Jesus? Jesus clung to his father in the midst of difficulty and death. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And then he took up his cross and died. That was the path of life for Jesus. Because it was only through the cross and through his death that the resurrection came. The path of life for us is through taking up our cross and following Jesus. And this is totally counterintuitive, right? Because we think that, that life and joy must be taken, right? It must be fought for. It must be chased after. We need to go out and get it. But Jesus says, if you want life and if you want joy, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The path of life is through the cross. It's through Jesus and his cross who bore our sin and then rose from the dead. And it's through our willingness to deny ourselves. And suffer difficulty in this life as we follow Jesus in the hope of the resurrection to come. You see, the truth is you may or may not enjoy good things in this life. And for your joy to be unshakable, to have a joy that transcends those things, it must not be linked to your situation or to your circumstances. The world is full of trouble, Jesus says. But take heart, he goes on. I have overcome the world. So we have a joy and a hope that transcends this life, that transcends the grave, that is above and beyond anything that we might enjoy in this world because it's a joy that is in the Father's love, that is secure in the Son. It's a joy that's in the hope that we have of the resurrection. It's a joy that is in what God has done for us in Jesus, not what we can do for Him. Now, if all that's true... The question is, what difference will it make when our lives begin to fall apart? If that's true, what difference will it make when things begin to go awry, when difficulties come? Well, it'll actually make all the difference in the world. Because though the world shakes and though things break and fade and decay, your joy remains the same. Your delight is still in your Father, whose delight because of Jesus is in you. Your hope is still in the resurrection, the day when every tear will be wiped away, every wrong righted, and every pure desire filled. Why don't we have unshakable joy? Well, because we're looking to the wrong things. 
Where does it come from? It comes from God who keeps us safe in trouble and will one day deliver us from the grave. What is unshakable joy in? It's in God, his smile and his gifts. How do we get that joy? Well, it comes from clinging to God, the source of joy. Why is this joy unshakable? Because through the resurrection, Jesus has secured a joy for us that transcends the grave. The hope of seeing the Father face to face and dwelling with him forever, where there are pleasures forevermore. What are you clinging to for joy? What are you chasing after? If you want unshakable joy, run to the Father. Cling to the work of the Son. And more and more you will know true joy, joy that cannot be shaken. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, you are our joy. You are our delight. You are our God, and we have no good apart from you. Help us to remember that, Father. Help us to believe that. Help us to live it. That we have no good apart from you. We pray that all other joys would be under your feet and sought only from your hand. Let your face be our great longing and desire. Let let us rest in the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that our hope is secure. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.